How's everything, babe? I'm okay. I'm okay. Yeah. Not all things can all things considered. Yeah, I mean, we uh, yeah. I evacuated my family. Um, um, like a couple of days after they started, and um, mm. so we we're in Israel now. But um, the rest of the team is in Ukraine, and uh, some people are in uh, very dangerous places, like in Kharkiv and Milnitsk and Sumy, where like there's massive, uh, massive attacks. Um, so I cannot complain. Mm. But um, no. How 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 quickly did you guys evacuate after hearing <coughs> hearing that news? Um, so the, the funny thing is that I just came back day night before I came back, uh, came back from vacation mm. with my parents. I took my son and my parents to vacation to Barcelona and we came back. So mm. we came with flighting in, um, Wednesday and, and they, uh, uh, took a train to Kharkiv. Uh, it's on, on the East and on the border with Russia, um, that mm. night and 5 a.m. Uh, the sirens. I, I didn't hear the sirens. I was sleeping, but we woke up at mm. uh, at five. Sirens started. We woke up at uh, six thirty um, to the message that our uh, school is not working and we didn't know what's happening. Then we turned mm. on the news. I mean, we saw the news. We don't we don't we don't own the TV, but we saw the news. At that time, my parents were reading Kharkov. Mm. Uh, they uh, and Kharkov was hit the most right now. But now it's not occupied, but the city almost doesn't exist. Mm. Uh, but, um, and mm. we were in Kiev at, by the time we actually realized what's happening, the, the, all the, um, all the roads already, uh, already packed. So we couldn't, couldn't leave the city. We stayed in the shelter, in the bomb shelter, uh, in Kiev and synagogue for, for a day. And then in the evening, we actually ran to the, uh, drove to the, to, to the, to the, to the west in the evening they announced curfew so we went outside of the city we stayed mm. for a night uh and in the morning because of the curfew there was no cars so in the morning the roads were uh, were empty mm. so we could actually drive anywhere uh and my parents also they drew for uh, like how, how does... 20 hours to the west and we met in in one of the cities in the, on the west yeah yeah i mean in the, in the context and by, and by the way i've just for for everyone else i've I've used lemon. I love lemon. Lemon is uh, an amazing, amazing product. We used it for a product called Airfluence that we were building maybe 18 months ago. Um, and I've been following you on Twitter before you were famous on Twitter. So I have a, that's my claim to fame uh, there. But how does, you know, with all of this sort of stuff happening, semi-famous, semi-famous, you'll be famous enough soon. Um, how, how does, how are you handling this from like a, as a CEO, as someone who, you know, I think the majority of your team is based in Ukraine, at least your, your engineers are, what are you doing to, to sort of mitigate the, the effects um, of what's happening over there? Um, the, our team is, uh, our team mostly is in Ukraine. We have a few people outside of Ukraine, uh, I think mm. seven or eight, and then another four or five people could flee the country. Uh, the rest don't want to go. They want to stay in Ukraine. They move to the West. Some people are still there in the, in the hot places. Um, and engineers, again, most of them evacuated to the West. There are some who are not available. Uh, my only concern right now is mm. not about like how this influences the business, but how we can help other people, um, to be safe and sane. Mm. And because even though in, even in the, even those people who are in sick places, or semi-safe places, um, they are stressed, depressed, and need some, you know, I, I don't know what they need. Uh, I, you know, I was, uh, I don't know where I was uh, going with the, with the word need, but they, they're feeling very stressed and they mm. not work productively. I don't care about that. Right now, our goal is to, first of all, mm. keep company running with the capacity we have. We killed most of the processes. We don't de de develop any new mm. features. We don't, we're not working in anything new. Uh, we just need to keep company running so we can pay the mm. salaries because a lot of people cannot work and we have, we still have to pay them salaries. Uh, there are like two people mobilized mm. already or they are protecting us. Uh, there are some people who are not available for work. Mm. There are some people who are partially available for work. Um, 
and we still you know want to pay be able to pay salaries and the rest we just um donating to the army so they have you know the funds to to actually <laughs> protect us uh but the rest is uh you know the, the fact on the company mm. was not that great uh the mo- majority mm. of we have we're a two-sided marketplace majority of of, of uh, companies that use us are in the us and europe so they they're still with us majority of developers were in ukraine um we started expansion to other countries uh, around six months ago and uh, but still like majority still i think like at least 80 percent of developers are in ukraine um some cannot work but amazingly <laughs> some of the developers some of the clients uh, wrote us that they want to keep keep uh, paying developers even though some or uh, some are mobilized, some are mm. volunteering. You know, volunteering right now is, is, is a big part of the country because a lot of people don't have access to to, to a lot of things, uh, to housing, to to food, to supply, mm. to any kind of supply. And they're helping uh, to drive people around, to evacuate, to help the uh, territorial um, protection forces and army and so on. Uh, so, um, for us, it's it's very important to just keep company running so we are able to support the rest of the people. Yeah, hundred percent. It's it's hard to know like exactly what to do. I'm, you know, I'm in I'm in Sydney, Australia, right now, and it's we're kind of looking from the other side of the globe. And I think everyone has the same view that you want to help as much as you can in whatever way, shape, or form possible. But sometimes it, this is one of those things where your hands are tired and the people on the ground have to do their thing. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I think you, you guys are doing a great job and you've been very vocal on Twitter, which I, I understand you. I'm, which I I'm love even more, I get, more cautious I, about this because there are people who are boots on the ground, you know, some are fighting, mm. some are volunteering and, you know, mm. we advocated because we could, and, uh, we, you know, we do everything to support. Like we do, we give all, all the profits, 100%. we let everyone to volunteer and, you know, they are paid with salary. Uh, but like there is a. There is a kind of feel of guilt uh, that is bothering all the time, and again, I'm not complaining for feeling guilt, but I just I'm just saying that I understand what you're feeling. Uh, I feel this even more because mm. you know I'm much more connected to to what's happening than than anyone. Hundred percent. We we have a an engineer on our team who's from the, the same area, has family in Ukraine, and mm-hmm. so we talk about it daily. But um, you know, you're 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 contributing to the ecosystem and the economy. So like that that's that's more than a lot of people can say um, so that, that you, sh- I mean, obviously I can't speak for how you feel, but I feel like you're doing all you can and that, that's all that yeah. matters that's right true. now. Like keeping the economy, um, economy running is very important. Um, and like, uh, I wrote actually, I tweeted about this yesterday that, you know, not everyone mm-hmm. has to take a gun, but keeping economy running actually supplies those who are, you know, boots on the ground. That's very important. hundred percent. A hundred percent. Can I ask you a question? Sure. So w- you, you, Ukraine is is known, well, Eastern Europe is known for its engineering talent, and I, I just don't know why. Why, why? Uh, when I think of Eastern Europe and I think of Ukraine in particular, why do I think engineers and I think great engineers? Like, is there a reason why? Is there a particular? Is the air different? Is it the education system? What, what's happening over there that that is breeding these kinds of engineers? I mean, I don't know, but I have an assumption that during. <laughs> uh, during uh, Soviet mm. Union, the education was like a cult, and uh, especially technical mm. education. If you're a professor or something, you're you know if, if you're living in communism, the only way to to differentiate yourself, you cannot be rich, rich. You cannot be you know you cannot build a business. But what you can do is you can become a professor or some kind of uh, a person who contributes the most to the to to society to the economy to the science and this is how you actually mm. build your wealth build your a better life and so education was uh, was kind of cult mm. uh and um technical education especially so uh whatever left mm. for a long time from soviet union was actually technical education it doesn't exist anymore i mean everything was was, was uh it was uh, i mean um and again, there is something that is left for technical education that I think led us to this, but um, but the rest, I, I don't know. I don't have like a clear answer that this is why. Um, 
I think I think like yeah, a no. lot of a lot. Of, it's, it's just it's just. In yeah, another thing is I think another thing is 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 uh, our geolocation. Uh, we are, we have, mm. we have good talent, um, and uh, for a long time it was pretty cheap, and also it's you know in terms of mm. time difference it was not as great as with India or or Philippines or Pakistan. Mm. So it was a good hub to have like cheaper salary than in the rest of the Europe comparing to England uh, or mm. Germany, but still, you know, it's just two hours away from, from England or one hour away in terms of time zone from, from Germany. Mm, mm. Um, well, one thing I'm keen to discuss with you is, you know, I, I've, I, I read a couple of blog posts that you did on your first business, which was Coding Ninjas. Well, not your first business, but the business before Lemon. Yeah. Um, and I, I was just keen to hear from you, kind of, kind of the founding story, like what, you know, coding ninjas, that the time spent there, and then what happened, and how that kind of like snowballed into Lemon, the Lemon brand, um, and what those changes were. So yeah, um, coding ninjas was just a, a a way for me to have extra uh, extra income, and I was living in Israel at the time. Uh, for three years and uh, Israel is a very expensive country um, so was, and I couldn't find work here so I found a work in Ukraine and also was um, you know someone asked me to to find a developer here in, in Israel to have to to find to help them find a developer in Ukraine so I did because I, I had a network mm. and um, you know they were very happy they brought all their friends and this is how like it was a side hustle then that when it grew, so I decided, okay, it's a good, you know, I, I created a job for myself <laughs> and it was working like that. It was, it was kind of mm. Uber for <laughs> web development projects, like, um, small businesses or agency mm. will come with small, small tasks. I, I didn't choose this business and it came mm. like that, um, because you know, it was, it just happened. Mm. Um, but it was a good income when I tried to grow it and you know, I thought, okay, maybe let's create a company, maybe create, let's create a business from this larger business than just a job for myself and my co-founder and a couple of people. Uh, I started doing marketing and, mm. um, like I did content marketing on Quora on Twitter. It was not Twitter at that time. Sorry. Um, in communities. Um, and you know, I was looking for particular types of clients. I was getting a lot of clients, but I was getting different types of clients type of clients that we right now have in Lemonade. Mm. Uh, and that's why we saw, okay, if we want to grow this to a business, this is where the biggest business opportunities are. And we pivoted to this business and we renamed and rebranded from Coding Ninjas to, to Lemonade. Right. So there was a, there was an influx of these kinds of businesses that made you go, okay, let's, let's rethink what we're doing here and narrow. <clears throat> I guess, narrow what the, what the product was or the service was. Yeah. It was just different, different kind of requests. So what we're dealing in coding ages is I need to build this or I need to fix this, or I need to, I don't know, move this button. Um, the types of mm. we have right now clients, they come and say, I need a developer. And then on their side, they decide mm. what they want to do with it because most of them are startups. They have a roadmap, they have, you know, processes and they just need to to enter another team member to their processes mm. so they can run faster. So before that it was task based right now it's talent based. Yep. Understood. Um, why, why lemon? What was the, you know, take me to the, uh, to the conference room, the war room, you know, you, um, you guys decide, okay, we're going to screw coding ninjas. We need to come up with a new brand name. What, what was going through your head and then how did you conceive and build that? that brand because the brand is so it's probably the most unique brand I've seen on the internet period uh, and has the most unique um, voice what 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 did it take to get to that point yeah um first of all I want to correct you that the, the name of the company is lemon io uh it's not just lemon lemon io <coughs> sorry yeah yeah um so we, um, what we did is <laughs> like, we, we saw the, you know, when we, we decided to, to pivot the business, we were thinking like, let, let's build something that is a very, um, let's build something, a brand that is different, not, not different, that is, um, compliant with our clients because, um, you know, mm. uh, in marketing, it's not just saying words, you have to, 
you, you have to respond with you know to what the clients are looking for and we tried to build mm. a so we decided to 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 rebrand because coding ninjas again like it was very descriptive you know coding that's what our developers do and ninjas was a common word but in reality mm. at the time you know when we decided to pivot to 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 pivot uh, ninjas was called kind of vulgar word you know it's very overused and the, the meaning were very generic uh, and also coding ninjas there were a couple of companies that were named uh, like a a coding school in India, very big one, coding ninjas. Another one is, I think, yeah. uh, a coding camp in in the US. So people really associated us with them. Um, so we we sat down and we built mm. a brand platform uh, where we described in very little details who is our brand persona and who is our uh, audience persona. And we spent like many many hours mm. and weeks, and I think it was several months. Uh, just describing literally, you know, what the name, what they're eating, breathing, what the girlfriends, what they're watching, what kind of music they, uh, you know, and and mm. then like, if they were a car, what kind of car they would be? If they would be a, um, I don't know, a a fruit, what kind of fruit they will be? And then why would they buy? And they will go like, why would they buy? They will, you know, they will buy because. And then we ask why do they have this problem? And then we, you know, why 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 would go deeper in the so at the end, we had a full picture and full filling and understanding, like, what kind of brand is this? What kind of people? We didn't even name those people. We gave them names. We did interviews with them. We did. We have somewhere on the mm. internet, I don't remember where. We have fake interview with us. We have Brian Brennels, mm. and uh, we had a fake interview with them, uh, mm. like, they're answering <laughs> real questions. So we built a real pers person that we, yeah. we knew them, like, their friends. Um, and then when we had this persona, it was mm. pretty clear what kind of visual brand it is and what kind of to 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 tone of voice it is. And then mm. when we came to, to naming, we said, okay, mm. um, I don't think we have to go, like, we have to um, very much find a connection between the name and the brand, but we wanted something bright because it was very uh, understood that, you know, the, the person that, um, that we created, two people that we created that are very bright, um, and then we wanted something short and memorable. Mm. So, you know, Apple that kind of was, uh, was, mm. was taken. So we decided to take one. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> was it hard to get the, get the domain name? Um, <clears throat> it was not hard. Um, uh, we had uh lemon that we purchased for, I think, 20, 26 guy. Um, there was also lemon.com was also available, mm. but we saw, uh, we don't, at that time we didn't, we didn't want to spend half a million dollars on, on the, on the, on the domain. And, and again, like being yeah. lemon, lemon.com would be a different, different name, different brand. Lemon Aya is, is, is very suitable to what we do. To be honest, like. Aya is very synonymous with tech. Mm. Yeah. To be honest, like we, when we started the, when we decided lemon Aya, we, we had a lot of feedback from native speakers saying that lemon is a, is, is a, is a, is a term for a broken car. And they were like, you will be associated, but <laughs> to be honest. I would never get a backlash. We said, okay, we want to do it anyways. It's very, you know, you, you felt right for us. And the yeah. whole team was excited. They were very, you know, like excited over the name, over the brand, over the visual brand, the tone of voice, everything. Everyone was excited. Mm -hmm. So we, uh, we said, okay, let's see what's happening. Changing name is, is easier um, because we had a brand, we had a brand platform so we could use it for a different name. We were not very tight to the, to the, to the name, but in reality, we didn't have any, any, any backlash. Mm. So it worked out well. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of people would have remembered you a lot more than, I mean, coding, coding ninjas, I, I thought was still a good name, but lemon is, is far more unique and memorable. Coding ninjas um, is horrible. Can, can you talk, like five talk to me about like, I need to, I need to go to the city hall to, to register a business. And it's like, <laughs> I need to come up with a name, like in the next five minutes, it's like, yeah, coding ninjas, it is coding ninjas.co was, was, was available. I was like, screw it. Let's do it. You know, I didn't think of name. I was thinking about, okay, I need to be able yeah, I, to, to the, be able to accept my first paycheck from, from a client. And like, I don't care what the name of the business, I just yeah. need the money. <laughs> Except I, I've got you on my podcast, so I have to be polite. So I'm going to say Coding Ninjas was a fantastic name and Lemon.io was a fantastic name and I'm going to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> How did you, um, 
you know, w- when you look now at the channels for your growth over the last couple of years, like, what are those? What are those channels that have really like just worked for you? Um, sponsorships work well for us. Uh, so we, again, like we have two sided marketplace, and this is two separate uh, types of clients, and they have two separate. Um, this is like two separate businesses, and this is the hardest thing to. Marketplace is one of the hardest businesses. Okay, I'm not talking about like I'm not comparing myself to I don't know space engineering or something, but like it's kind of a kind of you know mm. to compare it to SaaS or um, e-commerce, um, it's it's mm. pretty hard business because you have actually two businesses and you have to balance between them because you're building and supply and demand. Uh, it's not like you produced something in in some kind of capacity and then you distribute it. No, you have to have the same supply and the same demand at the same time, and you have to be able to match them. So if you have a mm. client who comes for a Node.js developer and then a, a developer who has Python um, Python experience, you wouldn't be able to match them. So you lost and supply and demand. If you're selling, you know, AirPods and, uh, you know, the person who came to your website was looking for a laptop, you know, you, you're going to you're gonna sell this laptop, you're going to sell this AirPods like in, in the next like two weeks, right? So it's not, um, but in our case, if mm. we don't sell the Python developer, they will find work anywhere, elsewhere. And, you, and if you don't find uh, mm. a developer for this client who's looking for a Node.js developer, they'll find a developer elsewhere. So like marketplaces are, uh, mm. you know, not a crappy business, but it's, it's, it's hard enough to be, <laughs> to, to be painful. It's recording now. We're yeah. good now. So you in terms can go of for growth it. channels, uh, one of the largest one is growth uh, is word of mouth, um, and uh, like, mm. I, I'm very public on Twitter, uh, and um, you know people just read me. I'm not I'm, I'm not um, um, famous as you said. I have like just like uh, 12k of uh, followers, and, but it works. It works really works. <laughs> I'm building in public. First of all, Twitter works well. Uh, people read me, and you know I'm in the market of founders, so founders trust us more just because I'm very open about what's what's happening, about the numbers, about the, uh, you know, our experiments and everything. So um, that's why they trust us more. And then it goes word of mouth. They you know, recommend us to everyone they know. So founders, uh, um, founders referring us to other founders is one of the best channels because, they, you know, this is a real endorsement. Also, one of the largest uh, are uh, podcasts mm. because podcast is not just a ad uh, placement, but podcast is also a um, a um, how to say endorsement actually because we let podcast mm. hosts to talk about us in their own voice, so we don't script them. We give them bullet points, but we don't script them, so they know how to talk to their to, to their audience. They just mm. use our information, but they talk in their own voice. And it, it's more like a, an endorsement than just mm. a, a, a placement. Um, and then we had a lot of experience mm. with content and just our CEO is just starting to grow. Um, also, we are, um, we are, we're trying to grow, but it, it's just experiments through channel partners, but it's, it's, it's something we had to do right now, <laughs> but we are a bit distracted. Um, mm. In terms of supp- what, what, what kind of channel partners? Um, like incubators, VCs, um, other companies, mm. I, I cannot speak of names right now. Um, never got a permission, but mm. we like through the up. So for us in, on, on the demand side, the, um, the endorsement is very important. So one person is referring to an, another person is very important. Uh, it gives a lot of credibility. Mm. Um, so that's why channel partner is better because it's kind of endorsement. It's kind of referral that, um, that people telling other people about us, um, in terms of supply side, mm-hmm. the developers, we have several uh, channels that are of course, uh, ads on Facebook, um, Instagram, Google, we're experimenting a lot over there. We work with a lot of influencers, um, uh, and, um, for now, this is the largest one. Right now, we're experimenting just posting uh, job uh, descriptions uh, on, uh, on on regular job boards, um, and uh, mm. I think uh, for now, like this is those are the largest ones. Yeah, awesome. If you could pick just one of them, which one would you run with for the rest of the year? You had to get rid of every other every other channel, and just one of them. Which one, which is the <clears throat> one that you'd go with? 
on on the mount side it's tricky uh, because the best one that is working is mm. twitter but i don't want the business to be relied mm. on, my, on on myself so uh that's a good channel to grow but it's a shitty channel mm. to to scale uh, yeah scale. um yeah to, uh, yeah uh, on the supply side it used to be that uh facebook ads were the best ones but as soon as we grew to mm. other countries it it doesn't doesn't give us enough leads to be able to grow so for now if i had to choose until the end of the year i'd probably choose influencers yeah with with the 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 twitter just on like building public i mean but when when you went ahead and you started tweeting regularly on twitter was there a particular strategy you had in mind did you envisage that it would be as successful as it was or was it just something that you you committed to you know tweeting regularly and it just so happened that you started building an audience i didn't have any strategy i i, I watched like a couple of videos about twitter uh and uh, just started doing mm. and it didn't work for a long time it's one of the best channels we had mm. uh, but uh, it's one of the hardest channels we had at least for me because i i'm not a good writer so it took me a lot of patience and time and 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 most of the things didn't work like i twittered yesterday i think was a very you know interesting insight that just didn't hit um and then i mm. you know from the other side there were just things that i rephrased from my regular job from a regular something like i we, we tweeted about what we, our plans if if the war starts before the war started and it went bananas uh but what i did is mm. just i reframed whatever i said to mm. my team so i didn't create anything um, so it's, uh, it's kind of, uh, exhausting, but from the other side, you know, it gave us a great growth, um, a, a great bootstrap to grow. Mm. Um, you know, I've, 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 I tried building a marketplace, you know, two, three years ago for, for a couple of years. Um, it was, it was more of a managed marketplace more than like your traditional kind of marketplace. Mm -hmm. Can you can you give some advice to someone starting uh, a marketplace from scratch? You know what things they should look out for, where they should start, um, just based on your own personal experience and the the, the, the nuggets of learnings you've you've made along the way. Um, first of all, supply is a king, and there's no doubt, especially in mm. our business in, in in talent marketplaces. But I think it it goes with everything, and I heard like many people say this, and I didn't believe them. Uh, because who pays the money? Mm. The, the the company is paying the money, so <laughs> we spend more time on that. Mm. But in reality, supply is the king. You have enough supply, yeah. uh, you'll have enough demand. Again, it doesn't mean that you will just build supply and demand will go uh, will will come themselves. Uh, but uh, it's much mm. easier to build demand when you have supply than to build supply if you have demand. Um, yeah. How, how do you how do you how do you maintain the balance between the supply and the demand because let's say for example you onboard 10,000 engineers but they're not getting work i suppose they're less likely to stay tuned on your platform or marketplace if they're not getting work is it was there a did you did you guys try to balance that is it like a balancing act or, yeah. or was it just let's get as many engineers on here as possible and then figure out the rest afterwards oh, it's it's a horrible strategy uh, because for several reasons because first of all bringing 10,000 developers is 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 a is a um, it's, it's, you know, you're gonna kill yourself in terms of operations. It's, it's impossible to operate this. Mm. Uh, secondly, if you bring 10 southern developers and then you find jobs for hundreds of them, then the, the rest of nine, nine southern 900 developers will go to the streets and will talk shit about you because they spend all the time on you, creating profiles, talking to mm. you, being vetted. And then after all those, you know, effort, they just didn't get anything from you. So it's, it's a, um, it's a suicide um but yeah it's it's kind of hard because uh, i explained why before um it's a uh, orchestra but we, we have several things mm. that we do that helps us do it better uh, <clears throat> first of all we have we're working not only with um with the um, developers who are individual but also we work with dev shops so whenever we have um we have a request that we don't have supply for, we go to dev shops asking if they have supply for it. Um, we, we make mm. less money uh, on this request, but at least we don't have customers who, who are 
you know, who didn't get anything from us. And if they get get a developer from us and they're happy, they're going to come with new developers because every 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 develop, every startup is growing all the time. They need engineering talent all the time. Uh, secondly, we, uh, we also mm -hmm. work with developers who are not looking for a job right now. So we have a CRM that developed by us and we have, mm -hmm. we know like what developers are not looking or just lurking, you know, and we have this information so we can tap to this talent too mm -hmm. and catch them when they are available, become available or want to become available. We have developers who would share with us that I'm, I'm, my project is finishing. I'm looking, we're going to be looking for a job in like two, two, two weeks. And, uh, you know, this, this helps, um, the rest is, yeah, the rest is, um, like a lot of small things that, uh, you know, my team does, uh, I'm not even aware about everything, but this is, mm -hmm. this is a hard problem. Yeah. I mean, how have you guys viewed scaling your operation? You know, you, you talk a lot about wanting to hit, you know, 10 million GMV. And in fact, I just saw you, you changed your Twitter handle to, to, um, have a thousand engineers who use lemon IO, uh, for full-time work or full-time income. Sure. Um, how, how do you get, how do you get to that point from where you are now? Like what, what are those, like, what are you eyeing off as being those growth engines or, or those, those, um, strategies to get you to that point? Yep. Uh, so, um, for us, um, uh, um, we were also managed marketplace and, uh, at the beginning we didn't spend much time on the product. We spent more time on building operations. That's why we're a very operational dependent company right now. Nice. And our, and before it was started, our main goals for this year was become, become to become a product like company, not operations like company. And, uh, this was our growth strategy, mm. to be honest. Because if we right now want to onboard mm. um, twice as, as many developers, we have to have twice as many people um, in the company. And this is pretty hard because more people means more management, more, even more operations and those management already needs more management. And this is not the type of company we want to build. So we decided to, <laughs> to build, to, to rely, to become more aligned on the product than on, on operations. And, uh, I hope this answers, uh, the question in terms of scaling, um, uh, <clears throat> uh, th this is what we need. Yeah, ab ab abs absolutely. Do, do you envisage the, the, the sales channels that you have now being enough to get you to, to that point? Oh yeah. In, in terms of sales, we are very, uh, efficient. Our team is, is amazing and we, they, yeah. um, they are able to, to to, to do even more with, with what we have right now. Uh, of course, again, like a lot of people are not, you know, fully available, but we can, we can do more. The, the, the problem is supply because we cannot bring a lot of demand and hoping they, you know, stay, but they also looking for a developer. They don't get one, they go out and they forget about us. For, for us, it's important to, to not have, you know, huge disbalance uh, in supply and demand. There, there, there yeah. are also a lot of things mm. we can, we can, uh, when, uh, we, oh, yeah. a lot of th things we can, uh, um, be, uh, how we can become more efficient with, uh, with the pro you know, building a better product. Like there is still service uh, functions that we can, we can introduce, but as we are a small team, we need to just, um, be focused on something that is more critical for us, more critical supply, scaling supply. Uh, you know, building a better product for supply so we can scale there. And then when we hit a, a better rate of, of, of uh, uh, how to say this correctly, like a better place where we are more product uh, led, uh, then we can grow, grow the team, product team or yes. switch to building um, better operations and better product for, for uh, sales. Yeah. Yeah, I got it. When, when you guys look at, um, like kind of like marketplace health, and I'm curious because for my, for myself, but also for people listening who, who may be starting a marketplace or in the journey of building a marketplace, what do you view as being like kind of the important metrics to monitor as far, you know, to, to measure marketplace health for you guys? You, you mentioned GMV, that's like a really top line metric, but internally, what, what are those little things that you look for, 
um, to help guide the business? So for a long time, we were, um, our, you know, um, main metric and main goal was GMV. And um, mm. it was okay, but um, I, I, I saw, first of all, GMV is not always the best metric to see the health of the marketplace. Uh, it depends on the marketplace. Again, again, it's a top line, but um, the um, the Nostrad metric has to be the metric that is re re reflects the value that your customers are getting. So that's why this year we switched from GMV mm. to um, <clears throat> to um, number of uh, contracts between developers and, and, and clients. So this is the actual value that we, we provide. We provide jobs. We, no, we don't provide jobs. We, we provide like, we provide finding a project and finding a developer. And this was much more reflective mm. of kind of value that we provide. And also like when last year, when it was like 10 million, 10 million, by the way, we didn't reach it. We reached uh, almost 7 million. Uh, Sure, I think 6.9 million uh, last year instead of seven, mm. but we were like 10 million, 10 million, 10 million. Mm. I think it was for, for people, it was kind of demotivating and exhausting. Like, okay, 10 million, but what kind of, you know, how does it matter for me? Like, how, how do I contribute to the 10 million? Like, mm. person in marketing, it's pretty clear, probably, but like, not to every person. Like, uh, but, you know, it, it was hard for the, for the people to uh to deal with this kind of pressure of money so we right now we switch to mm. uh to better and healthier metric and it's actually every person can relate to this metric in the team yeah when when, when you used gmv as your kind of north star last year did you find that you, you mentioned about stress uh, and people being stressed by that metric, did, did you find that it, it misaligned some of the behavior inside your organization to like hit that number? Were people doing things kind of uncharacteristically to, to hit that number? Um, the thing is that a, a lot of, it's, it's not about, um, it's not about people working towards different, uh, towards different goals. If you, if, you, if that, what do you mean? It's more of not being able to relate to this, not being able to know like how can I influence this metric, and also like race for money is kind mm. of red race, and it's just not, it's just mm. not nice. You know, you don't feel nice running for money, especially when this money mm. don't, don't go to your pocket. Everyone, um, you know, not everyone is founder, and uh, it's hard for them to relate. Like, what is what is there for me? Of course, we are. Uh, Paying you know competitive salaries and uh, and we um, uh, like uh, we share like a lot of um, uh, perks in the company and corporate events and everything, but it's it's not something you can relate mm. um, relate strongly to. But when we switch to we switch to uh, uh, you know those contracts between clients and and and, and engineers. The, uh, companies and engineers, it became more, much more meaningful because you're actually helping developers find jobs anywhere in the world with better compensation, mm -hmm. with better, uh, with better uh, career growth and uh, better projects, and you know become less dependent on on employer uh, and so on. Uh, so this is more motivating, and a lot of people can, mo mo you know, most people can relate to this, and also they can actually see how their work is, is, is actually mm. moving this, 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 this metrics. Yeah. It's more, it's more human. Yeah. Like people can relate to the fact that they're helping an engineer get work or a business complete their, <coughs> their, the features on their, on their business or their product. Yeah. Um, and the, what, and the mission of the, the company biggest... is not to make money. Oh, yeah. I mean, gone. we are here to make money and this is any company's job, mm -hmm. but the mission, our mission is why we're doing this is actually to help any company in the world and any developer in the world to, to find each other. And, uh, it's, you know, even for myself, it's much, much, a much better goal than just, uh, hitting some, some number. Yep. Yep. I agree with that. Um, what, what, what are the biggest mistakes that you see people make on the, on the client side when outsourcing development? You know, I went through that process. I had worked with developers before, so I had a sense of like how to communicate to them, how to, set guidelines and, and build our, our 
you know, roadmap or our OKRs. What are the biggest mistakes that you're seeing come through on the client side when, when working with your, with your <clears throat> devs? So one of the biggest one, um, is, um, uh, lack of, uh, self-awareness, <laughs> meaning <laughs> there are some people who are, uh, technical skilled and they know how to mm. write uh, specifications, how to set proper tasks, and then how to, how to evaluate delivery. And, you know, and those people can work directly with developers and, uh, there are other people who are more business oriented and they're amazing with business or sales or marketing, but they just don't know how to do all this. And in this case, they, mm. um, they better spend their time on what they're doing and work not directly with developer, but work with someone in the middle, meaning or a dev shop or hire a product manager or project manager to be able to manage developers. Because if you don't know how to set a project, how to, um, how to uh, explain what you want to build properly to developer, uh, you wouldn't be able to get the result you want. And uh, for this, you need to know, understand, understand how engineering works and how to, uh, you know what I'm talking about. Um, yeah. Um, but um, some, some clients, they don't understand that and they hire developers directly and not being able to receive what you want is, is very annoying. And, you know, most of those, most of those projects fail. So if you don't know how to work with developer directly and didn't do this before and you don't have technical or product background, you, you better work with a dev shop with outsourcing company or to, or hire part-time mm. full-time product or project manager in the middle. And this will save you a lot of money and, well, was, and, and so on. Yeah. I was going to ask, could, could, could lemon expand <laughs> and have a, add a vertical for project managers? Cause I could, I could imagine, I imagine most of your clients actually are are well equipped to work with devs and they probably have a whole, you know, infrastructure in place to add someone in and plug them in. But would adding like a project manager layer to lemon IO be something that you guys, you guys would do? Um, my first answer to any kind of, uh, thing like that is no, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, because, uh, it's, it's very hard to, to get distracted or it's very easy to get distracted, but in reality, the, the, mm. Um, the, the success of a marketplace is when you focus on niche, uh, if you go broad and add mm. everyone, 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 uh, you're not going to be successful again, not everyone. Maybe there are companies who will be successful. Maybe the, those companies have a lot of funding or just, you know, just they're bad at the mm. jobs, but most of, most of us would have, wouldn't survive if they will go very broad. Uh, maybe someday when we are successful developers and we have more staff and we have more revenue to, to spend, we will do that. But for now we're, um, we are very focused in, in types of clients we do and types of developers we work with. And, uh, it's very important as, as I said, like balance between supply demand is, is hard enough. And then you're adding more features. Like there's not only developers with so many technologies and so part-time full-time and you know, this mm. exception and this exception, this, then you're, you're adding to the equation is also like project managers and financial, you know, services and this and that you just kill yeah. yourself in terms of operations, in terms of focusing. You're killing yourself. Yeah. You, you, you mentioned capital raising. <clears throat> is, is that something that lemon anticipates on doing? I actually don't know if you guys have raised capital before, but from the outside looking in, it looks like you guys are bootstrapped. Um, what, what, what do you think on, on that, on VC? We're not technically bootstrapped. We took angel money at the beginning. Um, not at the beginning, like uh, two years in, we took, when we wanted to grow, we took, uh, we, uh, when we decided like, let's, let's try to build a company. We took, uh, uh, six ticket of funding and gave up, I think 17% of, of equity, um, was the dumbest mm. move we did. Um, and, <laughs> uh, and the most, uh, uh, the funniest thing is that we just took this money and gave it to Google ads, just never had a revenue for yeah, that. And so, but from that, we were very capital efficient and we grew to this, to this day, we grew from our revenues. Um, in the future, we'll see like, if I need the money to grow, of course, we'll do that for now. I don't see, I, mm. I, you know, I don't see where we can spend, I don't know, $5 million and just grow, I don't know, 50 X. Um, for yeah. now we have enough money to grow 
we have uh, some capital saved um, and uh, uh, there are right now there are more ways to 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 get funding there's pipe uh, there's um, different kind of funds that let you borrow mm -hmm. the money against future revenue and you know there are ma many new ways to fund your company uh, if this all don't work and we're still need funding and we're sure we're gonna grow like that and be able to 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 return this investment yeah we'll do that yeah um alex before before we wrap up um i had a couple of like miscellaneous questions sure. for you and i i the way you've you the way you've built lemon i see you as being an incredible operator i'm not um, so i'm keen to get your view on a, on a few things here <laughs> i i'm not well, I'm, I, I'm a horrible I, disagree, operator, I disagree with you my co-founder is, is a great one so uh a great yeah, operator I, um well in any in any case i'm going to continue to ask you these sure. questions anyway uh what what is what is your favorite failure and by that i mean is what is a you know, an a apparent failure that has set you up for success later down the line what is failure that i fixed and then uh let me to success um great question um, <clears throat> um in the previous businesses i chose horrible co-founders uh twice and that was mm. a huge failure very expensive ones at the time uh, and, um, mm. and, and, and then this, this time when I choose co-founders, co founders it's, it, it's just the, the best decision of my life. Uh, the same <clears throat> before I spent all mm. this money on, uh, like in other two companies, I spent all this money in front to build something and then to distribute, uh, this business said it's from distributing and then building. So we made the first money without anything, just. Uh, being in the middle in, in, in email threads between clients and, and developers. Uh, and then I build myself a invest like $500 mm -hmm. and be my, be, build myself a WordPress website that they could interact inside in the tickets. Uh, and then I started hiring someone to help me. <laughs> so it was a great failure for expensive ones when I invested all this money in previous businesses. And now I started making money before I was spending money. Uh, and it was a uh, set, set for success. Mm -hmm. Um, this these two are pretty um yeah awesome pretty big ones yeah the the, the, the co-founder one's a, a very big one um so it's good that now that you have a, a partner who you who's the better operator than yeah. you as and you also say, another your one's not mine. A, technical um, a technical co-founder too awesome so you got the you got yeah. the three musketeers um in in a in a startup uh, environment, what, what should one do or focus on to learn and improve as much as possible from your experience? Uh, who exactly? Like what, what type of roles? Uh, founder founding role. Uh, again, like it depends on what, on, on what stage, but at the beginning I'd say, uh, two core skills is first one is sales. And, uh, you can be an amazing engineer. If you cannot do sales, mm. you wouldn't be able to do anything. And then copywriting. <laughs> if you are not a good copywriter, you wouldn't be able to express yourself to others people because you use copywriting in at the beginning in like, uh, product descriptions and landing pages and ads and notes and investor notes and, you know, like emails to your team and like all this, all this thing needs to, and, and you have to, at the beginning, you have to actually bring all the people to your cult, to your inner world for them to understand what you want to build and, and, you know, make them, make them, uh, be excited for what you do and you have to speak well, but also you have to be able to write well and mm. copywriting. I think one of the initial skills for it, for any person, even if it's founder or salesperson, or marketing person, I think anyone mm. should be a really good copywriter and, uh, yeah. And sales too. <laughs> awesome. And finally, who are three people or sources you've learned from or followed closely in the last year? Three people who I learned from, uh, last year. Um, I, I, I was following a lot and, uh, um, with the Shantpuri, uh, from my first million, uh, oh, yeah. and learned a lot from him. Uh, we, I was, uh, in, in his, um, uh, mastermind group and couple of communities that he built. Uh, I was following him a lot. Um, then in terms of copywriting, I learned a lot from, um, Neville Medora, 
uh, an amazing guy. Uh, he um, mm. he has a course for <clears throat> for uh, copywriting for people who are newbies. Not not for the copywriters, but for people who are trying to be a marketer or trying to be a founder or salesperson. And this is he has an amazing course, an amazing community that supports you and helps you actually. They review your tech, your your work, so that you can actually continue working. And they mm. for free. I mean, you have to pay the the the, the community fee, but um, they do that, and it's it's, it's an amazing help. Um, the third person that I learned from is. Um, mm. I don't have an answer. I don't have an answer. That's all right. We can leave it at we can leave it at two. Awesome, Alex. Uh, man, it was it's awesome to have you on. Um, you know, I, I wish you the best and all with all everything that's happening with your family, um, and now that you're in Israel um, and managing everything at Lemon. So I, I definitely look up to you. I'll be I'll be watching your Twitter account go from thirteen thousand to one hundred thirty thousand. I'm sure in the next. 12 months and you'll be really famous and I'm, I'm sure I can interview again then. <laughs> yeah. Uh, being famous is not a goal, but, uh, it's a very good, great tool. Like <clears throat> uh, before we finish, like a, a small example, <laughs> I tweeted once that we raised 60 K and I regret yeah. this and we gave up like 17% of the company and I could, from DMS that I got, yeah. I could raise probably $2 million at, right there from DMS that I got from people. <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine that? You know, so. I mean, it has its yeah, benefits. So it's, it's an maybe, amazing, very powerful maybe, tool. Yeah. Maybe that should be the North Star metric. For myself, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Twitter, Twitter's an amazing, amazing, Twitter's been an amazing, um, I'm, I've only just started, I've got, I've got 12 followers yeah. or something, so I'm not, exa- <laughs> I'm not exactly there yet, but I, I, um, the, the people, um, that are on Twitter are awesome to follow. There's a lot of value add content out there and, and just in the DMs, people are very, very helpful. So, True. um, it's something that I've, I've really loved. Okay. Um, is, is there anything that you wanted to leave, uh, anything you wanted to send, send people anywhere, any last, last words? Um, no, thank you for, uh, we got a lot of support from a lot of people, um, and like in clients and people on Twitter. So I see that, uh, the world is very empathetic and helping and just thank you for that. If you can keep doing this, please help. Uh, if you cannot, you already helped a lot and thank you for doing that. Awesome. So 